Well, hello, friends, and welcome to the Bee Church Podcast. I'm Eric Swanson. And I'm Jenny Edwards-Bertrand. And today we hope to address the needs of the local church. That's what I'm supposed to say. Is it? You're supposed to say what we are as a podcast. What are we podcasting about today? <laughs> have you lead us in, Jenny. You have to say the thing. <laughs> the thing? The thing? Okay. Uh, today we're going to talk about... No! <laughs> No, you're keep going, to, keep going. You're supposed to say what we are as a podcast, <laughs> and I say what we're doing today. I did. We hope to address the needs of the local church. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. You have to do we're it. We're having more. a good morning, guys, or an afternoon, whatever it is. We both preach this morning. <laughs> you're really going to keep going? Yeah, why not? Uh, hey, today we're going to talk about Eric's sermon from this morning because I was so fascinated with it. It is um, the membership expectations that he is... Offering that you aspire to or that you currently have at your local church? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. And you got this from a friend, a colleague, but yeah. you have seeked to incorporate it here. Well, thought, yeah. Yeah. It's com- to incorporate it. <laughs> It's partly complicated and it's partly not. <laughs> just put away a toothbrush. <laughs> It's better than the mustache conversations. We'll leave it alone. Look at our pictures for your excitement. Um, no, uh, we're United Methodists, so we should always clear the air. And United Methodists have a set, defined set of expectations of our membership, right? It's the Book of Discipline, that beautiful book that we give everyone. It's in Technicolor. It's, it's such a wonderful... <laughs> Who do we give it to? We have adult coloring books of that, right? It's the discipline? No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. I'm joking. Please. Once in a blue moon. No. Um, but we have membership expectations. We have vows in our church. They're in our we hymnal. Commit and, to yeah. prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. That's right. What in the world does that mean? That's what we tried to talk about this morning. Okay. Right. And then on top of that, I've taken some of the work that I got from the first Navigate Change Conference um, down at Fairview Heights at Christ Church. And Shane Bishop, who's their lead pastor, who's a prominent pastor in our denomination. Um, I, I love some of what Shane does, and sometimes we don't see eye to eye, just like most things. Um what? Yes. Um, but I really appreciated this. It is Navigate Change thing. He said as part of their membership expectations um, to be a part of their church, you would be a part of two things of discipleship and commit to a tithe. I love that. I love two things of discipleship and commit to a tithe. I had not heard that said. I lo- Shane does a lot of teaching on leadership. I listen to much of what he says, and I'm really impressed with that. Two things of discipleship, and commit to a tithe. Right. And the word things was used? Well, I don't know that they said things. Things is my interpretation. Okay. Two things of discipleship and commit to a tithe. Right. And that's a membership expectation. Right. And then we had to break down what that means. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you did this morning. Yes. That's what we attempted to do this morning. Um, And tried to talk about it. And you asked like whether it was our current expectation or an aspired to expectation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it's both. Okay. I have a church that's like 183 years old. Um, so and some people have been members for 183 for years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. they, and they lived into <laughs> expectations under a former spiritual leader. Right. Perhaps they were different. Right. Yeah. 
Some people grew up in the era when to become a member of our church, you would walk in and say, I want to be a member, and somebody signed a slip of paper, and poof, you were a member. Um, Some people came in during a season in the church's life where to become a member had really strict expectations, and if you didn't live into them, kind of like the old, um, really early Methodist system where uh, if you were gone for so long, you would be kind of left out of the circle or the band that Mm -hmm. you were a part of, and you had to, to... become a member again of that band or that group you had to go through a different group of kind of repentant people Um, so we didn't have that kind of a hardcore system but we inherited people who had been through different systems yeah and um, then you also are inheriting a uh, culture that says What's it mean to be a member of a church? Who cares if you're a member well, of a church? Or a member of anything. How many yeah. people sign up to be a member of anything these days? Most of mm-hmm. us, you know, if you're a member of some organization, I would argue that you've probably had a conversation in the last couple of years about the decline in overall membership nationally or even regionally in your committee, group, organization, whatever it is. I don't yeah. care what you're a part of. Almost everything. You know what I'm a member of that I really like? British Airways, Avios, yeah, and Hilton Honors. Okay. Because I stay for free and I fly for free. Yeah. So I actually receive something. Okay. Okay. Well. Um, that's not what you're talking about. Is that's it? not what I'm talking about. No. No. It's <laughs> a little bit beyond that expectation. Kind of bit. the opposite of it. Right. So, um, but we're talking about like membership. You know, uh, I'm a triathlete and triathlon. Uh, is a popular sport, but its numbers are declining. Really? Yeah. Um, triathlon numbers nationally uh, have been in decline for the last couple of years. Probably because you need to try and pick a sport. Well, because people flex uh-huh. or flex. Um, yeah, it might be a bit of the sport, but cycling has had a bit of a resurgence. Ultra running, which is something I also enjoy, has uh, been growing lately. People kind of fluctuate from thing to thing to thing every now and then. But mm-hmm. but look at the bigger things like scouting. You know, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts of America, both of them struggle, and they've been changing expectations to help grow their membership. Um, I'm trying to leave the church world for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you look at, um, you know, how many of you have grandparents who are part of Moose Lodge, Elks Lodge, stuff like that. They're not Lions part Club. Of Lions Club. They just don't exist like they used to anymore. We have Rotary in town, and it does great things, but, you know, I don't see their numbers where they used to be. So. All right. So in the church, we talk about membership. We talk about membership numbers, and people would even argue, who cares about membership? Right, and many people don't. Um, so why do you? I care about membership because I believe that if you're going to be a part of something, you own something. Yeah. Um, and you should give a damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like me as a Methodist pastor, like people ask why I do this and why I'm a part of some groups that even um, I might wrestle with peers and friends who um, really disagree a lot with me and might vehemently even be opposed to some of my theological positions to me, but it's, I give a damn about the greater good of the denomination, the church. And I care for that, that witness of Christ to be shared and borne out in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm willing to be a part of it. Um, and my yeah. expectation is that even if we disagree, we wrestle together for the greater good of the ministry. Yeah. It's um, really weird that we're both so for those of you that don't know, to be a Methodist pastor, you have a jillion years of school and a million years of hoop jumping, or, hoop jumping <laughs> to be ordained. Yeah. And in a lot of settings, you're called by God. You're told, all right, you're a pastor. Yeah. We were really committed to this 
membership. That's right. So we kind of come with that bias. Yeah. Yeah, we and own things. It's uh, it's from a different perspective. So now here you are in this church. Yep. Um, say again, you're in a town of... Uh, town proper is 3,600. We okay, probably have a... small town? Yeah, small town America, Midwest, Illinois. Um, and we have, within a 15-minute radius, though, we're into the Bloomington Normal community, which is a more urban population, a couple mm-hmm. hundred thousand in that area. Um, hundred thousand? No, hundred thousand combined, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. But the greater metro area is what I was thinking. But realistically, within a few... Within a reasonable drive for most people we're going to draw from, we're probably pushing the envelope of eight to maybe $10,000 uh, people. Okay. So... And uh, your congregation itself... Um, average worship is around uh, 125 to 130. We had uh, 157 people we reached this morning between. That's awesome. Yeah, between our two worship services, and then we have a few distinct people who participate um, through Sunday school or something like that that aren't in worship for whatever reason. But All our right. weekly reach was 157 this week. That's so. awesome. All right, so. You want to say to those 157 people, mm-hmm. if you choose to commit here, here's what you're choosing to commit to. Right. And so we tried to talk about some of that historic Methodism that we, we brought up and you brought up in the membership vows. But I really do like to take Shane's illustration of two things, a discipleship and a tithe, as part of my crucial understanding. So you, right. you commit to a process of discipleship. And we use the Methodist mission statement as our mission statement. We just mm-hmm. add the title Leroy. And if you don't know what that is, it's to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of, and we say Leroy, and the world. Okay. Most people in the Methodist system just say the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked about discipleship. What does okay. it mean to be personally discipled, mm-hmm. to follow after Jesus, to learn from him? And then I talked about the examples of discipleship, and that's where that two things of discipleship and a tithe really came in. Okay, so you're asking your people in the course of a year mm-hmm. to commit to two Things of discipleship. Yeah. Give an example of a thing. Right. So this is where I might diverge a little bit from Shane. I don't know. We haven't had that deep in depth conversation with coffee and mm-hmm. and wonder uh, about it. But for me, I talk about. I want you to be a part of one thing that feeds you. So a small group, a Sunday school, a Bible study, um, some personal connection that grows your relationship with Christ that has accountability to it. So a discipleship process. So a commitment Yes. to personally growing closer to God. Yes. Anything that works for you. Anything that works for you. And I'm, you know, I, I like to say pick something that's more than, you know, at least 12 weeks, pick something, um, but ideally a year. But wherever you're at in your journey of faith, we'll meet you there. Um, if someone said that um, the way they grow spiritually is praying in the woods... Great, so do I. I I deer hunt. (laughs) So so you're not even picky that it has to be something in the church, but you do offer? Um, I'm a little bit picky. I wouldn't say totally not picky. Like, I would accept that a little bit, but I would push back a little bit and say, where's the accountability? Okay. For me, discipleship has accountability. So, like, if your thing is going off and praying in the woods, Mm -hmm. who are you talking to about your praying in the woods? Okay. You know, who's who has the right to say, as Wesley would have said, how is it with your soul? Mm-hmm. Um, who has that right and are they doing it? Are you allowing them to do it? And to me, that's really where the discipleship's happening. Okay. Um, I don't believe you really do di- 
discipleship isolated. Uh, look at the the role that we have with Jesus' disciples. There's 12 of them dudes. Mm-hmm. Not that they all liked each other and got along with each other. There's blatant, blatant fights in the Bible between them. Uh, but they at least were a community, right? They, right. they could agree and disagree with one another and respect that. Um, and so I ask, where is that community aspect mm-hmm. of it? Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily care how it plays out, but one thing that feeds your soul. Um, so in your congregation, what do you offer? Um, if someone doesn't, isn't, kind of needs some more structure. Right. What? So in our church, um, I lead two things a year. I lead a weekly ongoing academic year uh, Wednesday night Bible study. And every Wednesday night, you can show up at my church at 7 o'clock. And in the fellowship hall, I'm going to have my butt sit down with a cup of coffee and some notes. And we're going to uh, talk about either a book of the Bible or a theme or a topic or something. Okay. And you could jump in any night, cold turkey, come in, and you'll be with a, f- a group of people who have gathered and we will talk. And right. we will have a discipleship process. Um and then I always teach a class a year, um, at least one, sometimes two. Uh, and it's usually a bigger class for me as a pastor. So I'm usually teaching something that's about 24 weeks, okay. something like disciple Bible study, um, covenant Bible study, some of those types of classes. Uh, or I'll take three 10-weekers in a row or something like that, um, some short-term stuff. Because some people, they don't want to jump into a weekly commitment. They want something short-term. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be a valuable tool in the modern church. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And on top of that, I've asked lay people in my church to lead classes. And so I have four people who currently lead classes, and I'm always looking for more. <laughs> um, hint, hint, nod, nod. Um, and then on top, and those are classes outside of Sunday. Right. And then Sunday morning, I've got three adult groups that meet and then I've got a really nice-sized uh, kid Sunday school program through sixth grade. Uh, my junior high, senior high stuff, I always make sure it's off of Sunday morning because I want Sunday morning them to learn how to worship. And so they come and they worship Sunday morning if they're going to be in school. So if you're an adult as part of this congregation, you have lots of options. Lots of, yeah. Lot, if someone were to come to you and say, none of those six Bible studies, their times don't work for me. You'd figure something out. Yeah, I'd ask them what time worked for them, and I would then go call, you know, Harry or John or, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody that I knew that would work with, and I would say, can you go and meet this person at the cafe or in the back room of the church or wherever, you know, was available? So as the spiritual leader of this church, you are willing to, you ask people to commit to their personal discipleship, but you're also willing to go above and beyond to make sure discipleship opportunities are available. Right. Now, that's not to say, though, that you need to... Part of being a leader is making... You don't have to do everything. Right. um, And you shouldn't do everything. And so part of me, when you say going above and beyond, I'm not necessarily going to teach every class. Mm -hmm. There's always those people who don't think they've had discipleship unless the pastor's leading it. Oh. Uh, I'm not going to give you a one-on-one class. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. most likely I'm not going to do that. I might give you one-on-one meeting for a moment, um, but if it leads to counseling, I'm referring you to somebody else. <laughs> but in terms of discipleship, you now, it, I'm not even currently leading a class, and we have six small groups happening at my church. And in the campus ministry, there are five. So mm-hmm. there are 11 small groups happening, uh, and I'm not leading any of them currently. So 
I applaud you. <laughs> Yay! And so that's what I meant. If someone came and said, I really want to be, none of these 11 times meet mm-hmm. me, work for me, I I'd also find someone else. Find someone else. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And partly I'm willing to lead a couple because I need to lead by example. Then it's just how I'm wired. Yeah. Um, but I also know that there are limits and boundaries. And I know that I'll lead some of the bigger classes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll take on some of the harder topics that might be harder to be led through, or I'm more sensitive about how they're led through. Yeah. Um, so you'll see me do that. That um, makes sense. Just taking responsibility for my, my leadership. Mm-hmm. The other part of that, that too, uh, mm-hmm. forms of discipleship, besides just the personal growth, is I have an expectation that you're helping other people grow. So the other side of that. One is that you're growing, and two things of discipleship is that you're helping someone else grow. Yep, and that can be spiritual leadership. So, you know, my leaders who I might call on to lead in their small group, that might be their second form of discipleship. But you also might be somebody who that's not your gig. Uh, God mm-hmm. gave you other gifts. And so I might give you a hammer and send you next door to the Habitat House build, or I might send you to help with child care, or I might send you to be uh, in hospitality Um who knows what that natural gifting you have, but I want you to serve with your gifts. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a part of your discipleship. Yeah. Um, so part of it is your receiving of discipling and part of it is your sharing in discipleship. Mm-hmm. So that's how I distinguish at minimum those two. Not that you can't do a little bit more, but I'll also probably give you a hard time if you're over four. <laughs> All right. So what I'm curious about is, because I love, I love that. Yeah. How has it been received here? How have the people here at the Leroy United Methodist Church received that? Well, if you're in the lucky situation like I am, that you inherit an existing church that's like, you know, a hundred and something years old, mm-hmm. uh, you're just going to receive it just like anything else that's a hundred and some years old, a little bit slow, a little bit clunky. Um, I know the first few times I talked about it, it probably went over everybody's heads because I remember talking about it two years later and people are like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, wow, <laughs> you slept through my sermon. <laughs> um, but you keep introducing it as your priority. And what you'll be surprised by is that the new members who come in, the, the people who come in fresh, they're going to catch it first. Yeah. But then the next wave of catching it is going to be your best leadership because mm-hmm. they're going to say, oh, I see what the new people are doing. I get the distinction you laid out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited by what that has to offer. And then they're going to take part in it and experience another level of growth themselves. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of in-between level, uh, they're not new. They're, they've been around for a while, but they're not your leadership. They just kind of float on the periphery. They'll start catching it later as well. So that's been my experience of it. And the more that somebody owns that personal part, honestly, the more you can transform them into a leader for your church. Um, And then you have this second part, the tithe. Yes. Now, um, I don't have these numbers on the top of my head, but this morning... Um, Luke DeLong was looking at his phone. He's on staff with both Wesley Foundation and Hope. And he pointed out that Americans spent it was something billion dollars on Friday and Saturday. Billion. Yep. It was like $16 billion, some number like that. And then when you add in Cyber Monday, like basically we could solve all sorts of issues in the world with stuff we as Americans bought. Friday, Saturday, Monday. And yet, we feel shy to talk about money in the church when it takes so little, really, to do amazing work through the church. You're not shy to ask your people, hey, 
giving to this church is a part of what it means to be a member. Right. Um, I don't know about you, but like anytime I've seen somebody who really didn't care about whatever organization they were a part of, they were the people that also like were always finding excuses to not participate in mm-hmm. ownership. That doesn't mean you start as a tither as far as a 10% of your, your income. And, um, you know, I, I know many people who struggle with this. I mean, I can own my past. I've struggled with it too. I mean, you got to own that, mm-hmm. um, for whatever is going on in your life. But as a pastor, you express that the tithe is the ideal, mm-hmm. right? That God gave you enough and then some, and you know, this morning I used, uh, from Luke, uh, chapter six, given it will be given to you a good portion packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, uh, will fall into your lap. And I hate the prosperity gospel, so I'm not going to talk about prosperity gospel for a second. Um, but when it says give and it will be given to you a good portion packed down, firmly shaken and overflowing, I thought of brown sugar, right? How many of <laughs> us have ever had brown sugar and you scoop it up, right? And it fills the cup up, but then you press it down and you like got half the cup empty again. And then you scoop some more and you pack more in there and you pack more in there. I use that as an illustration. That must work with bakers. Uh, it works with anyone who just had a Thanksgiving dessert. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because I am thinking of the Rolling Stones song and brown, brown sugar, sugar means something yeah. different. Yeah. I almost started singing that this morning when I mentioned <laughs> it. So um, thanks for bringing that flashback back to me and the, the courage it took to hold on and not say that. I get away with a lot, but I, that might have been a line I could that not have crossed. That is not a line, and that's not what you mean. That's no, not the metaphor. That's you're not going the for. metaphor I'm going for. <laughs> um, but just the idea that, like, whenever I've invested in something, be it the church or anything else, right? Uh, part of the organizations I'm a part of, when I've invested in them freely of my heart mm-hmm. um, without expectation of return I found that I have had return mm-hmm. the return isn't always money in fact most of the time it's not um, but it is in watching people grow and experiencing their life I don't know that what better reward you can get than that um, to see somebody um, experience joy or transformation or life um, however you want to describe it uh, but I express that to people that the ideal is that you trust that God is giving you enough that you can tithe back. And I also expect our church as an organization to tithe. Mm-hmm. And I express that every time I talk about our church tithing, I talk about the fact that our church will tithe. Yes. Um, that is a non-negotiable for me as a pastor. Me too. Um, we give every week, we have a loose change offering and we give that away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have a missions budget and we give that away. And then we have, uh, we, we'll have a whole conversation on endowments one of these days and you'll hear all my love and all my hate for those things, but we have an endowment here and 10% of it gets reinvested. 45% of it goes to the trustees. Like every good endowment, it goes mm-hmm. to the trustees, right? But for us, the other 45% goes to be given away every year to outreach. And so we take between those sources and then all, I would argue that almost every penny we fundraise outside of the general budget, which for this church is thirty-five dollars to $55,000 a year um, with wow. a budget of two hundred fifty dollars to $300,000 um, range, uh, $300,000 range really. Uh, but we raise that every year and give that away to our youth group for their mission trip, for mm-hmm. our adult mission trip, 
for people who grew up in the community and now serve elsewhere, um, you name it. I mean, we fundraise and send it out. And so our church is about generosity. In fact, we probably have at least a double tithe at this point if you took all those funds and put them together. Yeah, probably. Um, so what yeah. about person? I personally believe in a tithe. Yeah. I got um, lucky that the pastor my husband had straight out of college taught him to tithe. So from the second we were married, 10% of our money has always gone away. And we actually... We were dinks for a long time, dual income, no kids. Mm -hmm. So we got up to about 15% mm. that we were giving away. Now they're kids, <laughs> and there have been uh, there has been a shift um, financially for us downward. Yeah. <laughs> but we've never not tithed. Yeah. Never. Right. Um, so I'm comfortable asking people to tithe because it's something that I do mm -hmm. even when it's hard, but mm -hmm. honestly it's never been hard. So I we was, just do it first. I, I we meet, get paid and we tithe. Then we live on the rest. And I get that, but I also meet people where they are. Right. So, you know, those pretty little pie charts of like, here's what 1% looks like. And here's what 10% looks like. I don't give you every percent along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, you know, this year we handed out one with one, three, five and 10. Okay, um, so people could get started where they are. Right, so I would rather meet you where you are and say, this year will you go up 1% if you're not a tithe? Next so year will you go up a percent beyond that? When you say it's a membership expectation, it's the goal. a membership goal. Yes. If you commit to being a member of this church, I'm not going to restrict and withhold your membership because you can't tithe. Mm -hmm. But I will expect that you work on it. Right. That you progressively grow towards it. That That's your ideal. And Has your anyone goal. resisted that? No. People have respected that. Yeah. I bet they have. And I would argue that most people probably at the point of growing their membership or accepting membership formally um, at least went up 1%. Yep. So um, they took that next level. And probably most of them were around the 2 or 3% range. Mm -hmm. So uh, I would say be unafraid of the ask. And, but also be unafraid of the transition mm -hmm. uh, because some people are going to go up and some people are going to down. Um, and as a pastor, I'm one of those pastors that believes in looking at those numbers. Uh, I know some people think that's taboo and off limits. Um, I think if you judge people unfairly and you have a problem with that, then yeah, take it off of your, your shoulder. But it's also a spiritual care thing. Some people will go down six months. Usually they'll be able to down six months before they quit going to your church. Mm -hmm. So look for the red flag. Mm -hmm. um, and some people go up dramatically. And you need to ask them what happened in their life. If they haven't told you, did they get a job change? Because um, that might mean they're moving and they haven't told you yet. Yeah. Um, or did they get a big inheritance? And now they not only, you know, did it go up because there's, you know, who knows? Ask questions and find mm -hmm. out why. Because there might be spiritual care that you have to take care of in that moment. Or maybe they just finally got it. <laughs> yeah. You don't um, have to convince me. Yeah. I, for me, it's bizarre that someone would be responsible for a nonprofit budget without knowing the income. That's just to me. That's just weird. Yeah. But in the new church start world, you've got to know every single penny, where it's coming, when it's coming, how it's coming, I, and there's argue. there's no wiggle room. You just you are living paycheck to paycheck. Well, and I would argue in the existing church world just as much, especially in today's day and age. 
because so many of your top end givers um, are 60s, 70s. And if you don't do a projection, like if 80% of your budget comes from people who are over 70, what are you going to do in 10 years? Yeah. Because you know what? You might still be there in 10 years. Yeah. And even if you're not, you owe it to the next pastor to mm-hmm. have talked about and planned for that. Not to say that the sky is falling and you need to cut your budget and slash funding and everything like that today. But what are you doing as a good steward of what you have now to build up the number of people to replace that capital? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not trying to look cold-heartedly at individuals as dollars and cents. But it's to look realistically at what you mm-hmm. have been given and you are responsible for responsible. as a leader and a pastor. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Any other expectations of membership that you'd have for us? Uh, I don't think so. I think I am... Uh, y- hey, if any Hope Church people are listening to this, don't be surprised if you hear this talked about <laughs> in our near future. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. All right. Well, thank you. And if anyone has questions or ideas or comments about... Um, membership in the church life. We have a great Facebook page. You can join the conversation there. Um, one of these days, I'll stop being a slacker and I'll fully build out our website and maybe we can have some conversations Ooh, there. Yeah, I bought the domain, but I'm lazy. Ooh, that's um, exciting. I'm not lazy. I just have too much to do. Yeah. Uh, just like the rest of us. Um, uh, but yeah, join the conversation on Facebook. Uh, I don't know that this podcast will have intro and outro music. Uh, we have our good friend Jordan who's supposed to be making some Jordan. for us. So Jordan, if you're listening. Record uh, some music for us, Jordan. If not, I'm going to have to like play Old Green Day. And don't do that. No, I won't do that. Sorry. Um, anyway, that's all I got for today. You? That's great. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out. Later. <laughs>